0: Good morning. If you have your Bible, open to Genesis chapter 2. That's where we're going to be. We'll also be in Romans 5, 8, maybe some other places. We'll just see how it goes. Today we are, uh, we're launching a new series. We've been uh, kind of promoting it for a couple of weeks, but it's, uh, it's titled Bad Resumes. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about for the, uh, for the next, I don't know, several weeks as we go through Scripture and we look at people's lives, and you realize, man, you know, they got some bad stuff going on in their life. They've got a a past. I think we can relate to that. You know, nothing will hurt your job chances more than having a bad resume. Yes or no? Charlie, when you get a bad resume, do you look at it or do you file it? Exactly. You file it. And it's all kinds of things that can cause us to have bad resumes. I mean, if you are poor with grammar, you know, that one's going to get it tossed every time. you got a bunch of commas or you use too many exclamation points or whatever it might be. You have these long run-on sentences, kind of like the way I talk. You know, those can get get filed away. Nobody wants to see those. Um, There are uh, others that have a bunch of misspelled words in there, and that communicates that you didn't care enough to even go through and make sure your document was correct. And so if you don't care on something that minor, then there's probably some other areas in your life where you may be being a little careless and so it can get pitched. Uh, there are others that they'll take a resume and in order to make it stand out from the pack, they'll put a crazy font and lots of wild colors on there and that, uh, you know, that kind of uh, turns people off or maybe it's just full of irrelevant information. You know, you're applying for a job or you're trying to get into a new career field and you have no experience. You start writing out that resume and realizing, you know, I've got like a paragraph here. So let me talk about what I did when I was in third grade and I got the Cub Scouts Award. and You know, stuff that is just completely irrelevant to the job you're trying to get or the field you're trying to get into, a lot of times that will get your resume tossed. And then there's others who just list all their bad choices on there. All the stuff they did that might have them looking for a new job. And so without further ado, I present to you some actual live resumes submitted to companies and employers. This first one is from a guy named Eric. His objective is this, to claw my way to the top using any means necessary, but then to be a fair and just ruler and bring your company to new heights, or whatever. Under his personal attributes, he lists cat-like reflexes. Wait for it. Now you see me, meow, you don't. Some of you will get it in a few minutes. Possible ESP. That's a good skill to have. Knows when to hold them. Knows when to fold them. Doesn't say anything about walking away, but who knows. Uh, He emits pleasant aromas. That's good. He's also extremely proficient at Mario Kart for Super Nintendo. Under his experience, he says, I have enough knowledge to write an essay on pretty much any subject without researching it. Followed up with his education that says, Finished high school by the skin of my teeth. Where I spent most of the time daydreaming out the window, but if you hire me, things will be different. I swear. And then finally, for his references, he lists himself, because who better to tell you about me than me? Hala. Sometimes you don't turn in a resume; you just fill out an application, and we've all done that too. And uh, this one I thought was was pretty clever. I don't know who it is, but he says, I refer to the recent death of the technical manager at your company and hereby apply for the replacement of the deceased manager. Each time I have applied for a a, a job with your company, I have received a reply that there is no vacancy. But in this case, I have caught you red-handed. And you have no excuse because I even attended the funeral to be sure that he was truly dead and buried before (laughs) applying. Attached to my letter is a copy of my CV and his death certificate. All right, that's resourceful. Uh, And then there's this last one. Now, these are real resumes. Uh, This is just a snippet of one. I don't know who it is, but under his work experience, the jobs that he's held uh, from uh, 1999 to 2004 was a marijuana dealer and nefarious dude. but he is intuitive, he has an intuitive understanding of supply and demand economics. (laughs) He's good with money, ran his own delivery service, had a consistent clientele with a high customer satisfaction, pun probably intended, gained intimate access to very exclusive county jails, and learned a valuable life lesson. Now then, that... Right there, that is a bad resume. Yes or no? That is a bad resume. Now then, you and I probably have some stuff on our resumes that are not very good. Chances are good that probably a lot of us in here have been fired from at least one job in our lifetime. I got fired from Horsetown. Horsetown sells boots and tack and western wear and all of that stuff. I got fired after working. Three days, because I just didn't know enough about boots. I got fired another time from a job where I cut tile uh, for a living and uh, it was, uh, you know, I would take tile off this stack here, I'd put it in the wet saw and I'd put it on this stack. And I didn't go to work for two weeks and they had a problem with that. And so I, I fired me. I don't, I, I don't understand that. But chances are good that we've probably been fired or had something on our resume that is not so great, not so good. But we also have another resume. We have a, a, a spiritual resume in every single one of us. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all have something in our past on our spiritual resumes that we're not proud of. Yes or no? Is everybody with me? We all have something in our life that we just wish wasn't there Maybe it was the way we treated somebody. Maybe it was something we did at work. Maybe we uh, misappropriated some things. Maybe we fudged some numbers. Maybe we we lied to someone or we cheated someone out of a position and now we, we're, we're feeling guilty about it. Maybe it's that, that you're here this morning and, and what's on your spiritual resume is you've not been the husband that you agreed to be. The husband that you vowed before God to be. Or you've not been the wife or the mother that that God has, has called you to be. Maybe you're not being the person, the Christian that God has created you to be, and you're not sharing the, the love and the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ with those you come in contact with. Or maybe it's that on, on Sundays and, and, and Wednesdays, you know, you do a pretty good job of things here, but when you go out on Monday, it's like a completely different person. Whatever it might be, every single one of us, we all have something in our life, some, some hurt, some shame, something embarrassing, whatever it may be. We all have something in our life that we wish was not on our resume. But you see, the thing is, is that God can use people. God can use people no matter what we have on our bad resumes. Isn't that good news? He can use us no matter what. You know, often uh, people are... Are not, uh, they're not hired, they're not trusted, they're not given a chance uh, because of, of something in their past. But what God loves to do is He loves to take a, a hopeless situation and He loves to turn it upside down. And so for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be looking at, at some of these bad resumes in Scripture and we're going to see how God took them, took a, a, a hopeless situation and offered helpful solutions. And where else to begin except the very first bad resume in the Bible of Adam and Eve? So if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, it's a story that most people are familiar with. God has been creating. He's created the heavens and the earth. He's created all of these different things. He's created man in his likeness and and in his image. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. Then the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit, in the middle of the garden. He planted the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know how that goes. And he told Adam, you can eat any tree you want, just don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Whatever you want to do in the garden is fine, You do whatever it is you want to do, you just have one rule. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day that you do that, your your, death is going to uh, come upon you. And so, hey, that's, that's a pretty good deal, right? Just one rule to follow. That sounds like the good life. Yes or no? Absolutely. Well, okay. Well, you move on. Verse 15 says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely, of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you're sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And so he brings him all of the animals. But then God realizes that the animals are, you know, they're good and they're great, but they're not what Adam needs. They are not a a suitable helper. They're not a suitable partner. And the reason why is because they are not made in God's image. Man is created in the image of God, but the animals are not. And so he causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And he takes one of his ribs and he forms Eve. Verse 22 says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. And so there they are, Adam and Eve. So let's take a look at their resumes. Adam's got a pretty good resume when you look at it. Under his executive profile, first man ever created by God. You can't top that one, can you? He is the very first one. He is the only one in the history of the world that can claim to be the first man created by God. Under his professional experience, that's pretty good too. Chief gardener and groundskeeper in the Garden of Eden. Okay, Nobody else can claim to have held that position, but Adam can't. Eve's profile is pretty good as well, or her resume. Uh, She's the first woman ever created by God. Ladies, sorry, no other woman. You cannot claim that. Eve was the only woman that was just created right there. She was the first woman created by God. Her professional experience, she's the assistant gardener and groundskeeper in in the Garden of Eden. Okay, so their resumes, they look pretty good right off the bat. Yes or no? Absolutely. Hey, we're the first people here. First one's created by God. The job he gave us, we are the head groundskeepers in the Garden of Eden. Eden means delight, God's delight. That's what they were, were put in charge of. Well, then you get into chapter 3, and things change. Life is going great, and then Satan takes the form of a serpent, slides up there next to Eve, and he starts having a conversation with him. Hey. Did God really say, did he really say that you'll die? Surely, he didn't say that. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, surely, surely you won't die. And Eve says, yeah, he said we can do whatever we want to, but if we eat of that tree, then we'll die. And he continues, no, not really, that's not really what God means. God knows that if you eat that tree, you'll be like him, knowing both good and evil. You see, Adam and Eve had no idea what evil was at that point because they had never experienced evil. They knew only good. They knew only perfection up until that point. But she's tempted. And it says that she takes the fruit and she eats some of it. And then Adam takes the fruit and eats some of it. And so they both sinned. They both sinned. It says, at that moment, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, at that moment their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You know why they did that? Because sin always brings out a desire in us to cover up. Does that make sense? Have you ever noticed that we tend to hide our sin? We don't want people to know what's going on. We don't want people to know how we struggle. And so what we do is we try to cover it up. We try to mask it, and that's what they're doing. They've sinned. They know it. They feel the shift or the change there in Eden, and their first response is to cover themselves because that's what sin does. Well, God comes in, and he knows what's what's happened. He asks, what's happened? Why have you eaten from this tree? Verse 12 says, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. There's the first blame in the garden Adam blames Eve Eve in turn blames the serpent so now they got to do something You drop down to verse 22 and it says then the Lord God said look the human beings have become like us knowing both good and evil what if they reach out and they take take fruit from the tree of life and eat it then they will live forever so the Lord God banished them from the garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made so they've got a pretty good resume on the front end and let's say it's good enough that they get to the second stage of the interview process and they, you know you, you get to this point you get to this question on a job application or whatever it might be well, what are your reasons for for leaving your last job anybody ever had to answer that question what are your lea- reasons for leaving the last job well here, here's Adam. And Eve's answer uh well we uh failed to guard the guard you know they let Satan in. Adam's job was to guard the garden. It was not just to tend it, it was to guard it, to make sure nothing bad went on there, to keep marijuana dealers and nefarious dudes out. Okay? He did not guard the garden. So, hey, I failed to guard the garden. Oh, you know, committed the first sin. That's, that's a pretty bad one, yeah. Committed the first sin, uh, you know, brought the death to all mankind. Uh, we were fired from the position banished for life. You know, it's at that point that a, potent, uh, a, a potential employer is going to look at these guys and just stamp that thing, reject (laughs) it. No thanks, you're rejected, we don't need you. But here's the thing. We can all relate a little bit to Adam and Eve. Now we didn't fail to guard the Garden of Eden, but what happens is we fail to guard the Garden of our hearts. And while we didn't commit the very first sin in the world, we did commit the very first sin to us. When we committed the very first sin to us, you know what it did? It brought spiritual death to ourselves, which resulted in us being separated from God, which can leave us feeling rejected. Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Now that's a bad resume, isn't it? Every one of us has sinned. Paul talks about that in other places throughout the Scripture. And it would be bad if God just left us there, wouldn't it? Scripture says that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Imagine if Paul had stopped writing right there. That's where we would be. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. But he didn't leave us there. He didn't leave us in a a, a hopeless situation. He gives us a a hopeful situation. Solution. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, let's start in verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Utterly helpless. Nothing we can do to save ourselves. That means we are in a a hopeless situation because we cannot affect our eternity. But Christ came at that time and he died for us. Now then drop down to verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait on you and I to get our spiritual resume in order. He didn't wait on us to get our act together because he knew that we couldn't do that. He knew that there was nothing we could do to save ourselves. And so he sent his son even though we are still sinners. Even though we will continue to sin, Jesus came and he died on the cross and he took all of our sin away. Isn't that good news? Now then watch what it says. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. You want some more good news? Read the, read the red words with me. This is Romans eight, thirty-eight and 39. I am convinced. though the world might reject us, what this means with Jesus is that we are accepted. We are accepted through Jesus Christ. In fact, I was going to have a point this morning, it very simply is this. Because of your bad resume, because of your bad resume, by society you may have been rejected, but with Jesus you will always be accepted. Isn't that good to know? You will always be accepted through Jesus. Jesus Christ no matter what you have done in your life I can't tell you how many people that I have talked to that have said you know I I'd really I'd really like to, to, to come to church I'd really like to, to give my life to Jesus but I, I just don't think I'm good enough to be there I don't feel like I've lived right enough or I've uh, they'll say things like, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I'm capable of. You don't know the thoughts that I've had. The sights that I have visited. You don't know how worthless I feel, but when I get myself to a better place, I'll, then I want to come to church. And that, you know, that's, that's one of Satan's greatest lies. He takes our bad resume, whatever it is, and he throws it in our face constantly He's putting it up in front of us to say you are no good. You're worthless. You will never be worth anything to anybody You won't amount to anything. Nobody cares about you Why don't you just go ahead and die? That's Satan does I've had a conversation with somebody this weekend a guy who put on Facebook That he's going to end his life filmed a video about it and put it on Facebook Satan is throwing his bad resume in his face every minute of every day people are dying every minute of every day and they're dying without the hope of Jesus Christ we all have a bad one. It doesn't good a person we think we are or we think somebody else is we all have baggage we all have stuff going on in our lives. The, the people you think are incredibly good they got stuff going on in their lives too you just may not know about it we all struggle in different ways we just do it in different skin does that make sense We've all got things in our lives. But there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Nothing at all. So while the world may say, yeah, no, we don't want you, Jesus always says, come on. You know what I'm convinced of? I've become more and more convinced of this throughout the years. I may not be right about it. But I think the more messed up, jacked up, screwed up your life is, the more attracted to you Jesus is. Because that sure is the people he hung out with in the Bible. People that were marginalized. People that nobody wanted to get near. People that were untouchable. People that lived on the outskirts of society. That's the people he wanted. He wants people like you and me, too. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as long as our lives are lined up with Jesus, we will always be And so it comes down to a choice. What are you going to do? You want to have your bad resume constantly thrown in your face and you live with just that bad spiritual resume. You want to let Jesus change your life. And then you know what he'll do, and this is one of the the, the crazy, backward, upside-down ways that God works. He takes all the dumb stuff you do and all the dumb stuff that I do. And then he uses it for his. You know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Eventually, you're going to meet somebody who did the same dumb stuff that you did. Okay, but they don't have Jesus. And guess what you're going to be able to tell them? Hey, look, I was just like you. I was a head just like you. You're not going to believe the stuff I did. And yet Jesus still saved me. That's how he was. That's the crazy upside down backwards economy of the kingdom of God. Why else would we celebrate a cross? Because that's what God does. He takes hopeless situations. He offers hopeful solutions. If you need Jesus, today's the day. Confess him as Lord. Be baptized into his name to have your sins washed away. And we can help you if we can pray for you, if we can baptize you into Jesus this day, why don't you come while we stand and while we...